What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe, located in inner southeast Portland. This spot offers free music on a weekly basis, as well as other monthly events. Every Sunday from noon to 2, you can catch DJs spinning vinyl and local beat makers curating tunes to go along with their delicious cocktails and brunch menu. They've got this banging breakfast sandwich, and aside from the free tunes and the weekend brunch, they've also got a solid lunch and dinner menu throughout the week. And now that it's fall and winter is approaching, Produce Row has their patio covered and heated throughout these rainy months. So if you're feeling stuck inside, this is a great place to come catch some tunes, grab some drinks, and eat some food. Link for Produce Row Cafe will be in the episode notes. Now let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast in just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. You can find the podcast on Spotify now. And I've also been dropping some monthly playlist there that you can find on apple and spotify the links for those will be in the episode notes pretty spread out genre wise and just kind of a snapshot of things i'm listening to 
throughout the month things that are making it in to my dj sets and such hope everybody is doing well out there excited to get into episode 335 alex croson from portland oregon is on the show this week and i had such a nice time hanging out with alex he had me over to a spot and uh, he's got a great setup over there where he both works and lives and it's next to some of my favorite spots in town and it was great getting to know him we had been exchanging emails back and forth for the last couple months trying to link up a time to chat and work the release of this around his new record that just came out called sorry i missed you which he made with local musician and producer ryan oxford over at ryan studio color therapy here in portland oregon ryan has been producing mixing and engineering some of my favorite records that have been coming out of portland as of late and he really brought out some great things in Alex Croson's tunes with this one. So I got to get Ryan on this podcast eventually to find out what's happening in that head of his. People keep singing high praises of uh, his process and approach to making records. But great to hang out with Alex. He's got some uh, some killer tracks on this record. Definitely one of my favorite albums to come out of Portland this year. And along with being a great songwriter, Alex also co-hosts a weekly podcast about trees called Completely Arbitrary that he does with his buddy Casey. It's a, a weekly cast and it has quite the following for it. So check that out as well. We uh, talk about it briefly in this conversation and nerd out about podcasts podcasting for a few minutes so i'll put the link for completely arbitrary in the episode notes as well as a link to uh find all of alex's music so you can keep up with him if you dig what you hear we will get into the chat momentarily i do want to remind you before we do so that december 15th is the fifth annual Dan Cable Presents Holidays Party with Vanport throwing down a DJ set to get the night going and the Frank Irwin Quintet will be closing it out with a, uh, a killer set. Excited to have both of them on the lineup. You can go back and check out my chat with Vanport that we did over summer and last week's playlist episode has a feature on the Frank Irwin Quintet that you can find as well. But December 15th, Mississippi Pizza, $10. It's a 8 p.m. to 10.30 function. So for those of you over the age of 35, like myself, can be home at a decent hour on a Thursday night. Hope to see uh, many of you out there. And I hope that everybody has a nice Thanksgiving week and get to surround yourself with some uh, people that you love and some people that make you feel good about yourself. And with that, we will get in to episode 335 of the podcast. Alex Croson is on the show. Check out his new record, Sorry I Missed You, available on all the things we're kicking off the episode with the first track from that record it's called god is the dawn let's do the damn thing we met on a summer's eve when all good things begin i found you lounging river with the sunlight Silver bell, play the leg roll 
jump into this thing alex for sure all right man well i'm stoked to chat with you i've been listening to your sorry i missed you record a lot and uh i was glad that it found its way to me it was like when you sent that link to me a few months back before it came out yeah like i don't know you just never know what to expect when someone's sending you music you hope (laughs) that you're going to enjoy it yeah and i enjoyed it so much that like i just listened to the whole thing that day front to back and just kind of like let it keep playing and i was uh yeah i was just really impressed with the the songwriting and and your hooks and whatnot and uh so yeah i'm stoked to chat with you about that and working with ryan oxford on that record but yeah. i thought we would uh we'd throw it back alex to the to your maybe your early music exposure and beginnings to like set some foundation for where this record is coming from so what are like your early music memories or like what was your exposure to getting to actually pick up an instrument and play sure um you know my my family there's not a lot of music lovers in my family not a lot of musicians i think maybe my great-grandmother taught piano and that's the only musician i can think of so i wasn't in a, i wasn't in a household that was like constantly playing music um so i had to kind of fight for it a little bit but if we were listening to music it was uh, Kiss and FM 97.1. Okay. This is oldies. Okay. So I listened to a lot of oldies growing up, which was like, it was like the top 40 oldies, you know, like not no deep cuts on yeah. Kiss and FM. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, a lot of, yeah, a lot of Beatles, Doobie brothers, Elvis, um, a lot of girl groups from that time. I, I think I, I think I started music playing music because my sister was taking piano classes and it looked fun. And so I, I hopped in and then I sort of have a, I just sort of like, you know, chain smoked, uh, instruments from then until now. So it started with piano. I moved to the cello a few years later. I loved the cello and then I moved to the bass guitar and then I moved to upright bass and then guitar and then it's a, a sort of a bunch happened at once and I learned the drums and uh, uh, I, I, I sang all throughout this, you know. Um, but yeah, it all started with the piano, which I think is a good foundation. Of course, I don't remember anything I learned back then. I had to, <laughs> I've had to relearn piano several times <laughs> in my adulthood. How old were you when you jumped on the piano? Maybe six or seven. Did you like it? when you were that young or was it like 
Yeah. Did you like it because your sister was doing it or like, I, I like, I liked it a lot. I did. I did. I don't, I don't do well in like a learning environment, any sort of classroom or like one-on-one, like having a teacher for something. Yeah. So I, I wasn't a great student, but I would just like learn stuff on my own by ear. Um, and then I really liked, I really liked investing in like one big thing that was like too hard for me and practicing it until I could, until it wasn't too hard for me. Uh, but there's a lot of, you know, like learning piano is, is such a drag as a kid. Cause it's like a lot of like, you know, the pumpkin boogie, which is bum, 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 yeah. bum, bum. And then there's like 30 of these songs until you get to reach the next level, which is, <laughs> you know, the same stuff basically yeah. <laughs> with a couple extra notes added in. But even, even though maybe you, you didn't keep up with the piano and you've had to like reteach yourself, mm-hmm. you feel like that like really laid down some like solid understanding of, of notes and, and things like that. Yeah, for sure. I think that, that really like my, my understanding of theory really formed when I started cello, I think. Um, I don't know. It's so hard as a, as a young, young kid to understand the theory of anything, you know, like it's, it's all so complicated and you think, you know, but you don't really know. Then I took, you know, band classes and orchestra and jazz band all four years of high school. And that was really like all I did. So I, I learned a lot of theory then. And that was, that was my, that was my like unofficial foundation, you know? Is that also why you had like so much access to all these different instruments? Yeah. I mean, everything's in the band room, you know, and you're not, maybe not supposed to play other <laughs> instruments. But. Did you find that you would just like pick up one and you're just like, Oh, this is great too. And now I want to like figure out my way around this instrument. Yeah, pretty much. Like I, I, I learn a lot from watching, you know, and then like, like dr- drums happen that way. I could, I could play drums before I even sat down at a drum kit just from observing and like playing drums on like my knees and like driving or steering wheels, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always, uh, it, it comes, it comes naturally. I, I don't know. I, I, I pick something up and like, but you know where that doesn't, it, it's, I will say it's like mostly string instruments. Okay. If I have a clarinet sitting over here, that's been untouched for <laughs> a year because I found it, the learning curve too challenging. <laughs> so I'm, I haven't, I haven't forayed into any wind instruments, but I'm slowly working on clarinet. And what about the the voice stuff? Like, were you always kind of singing, like, as you were learning piano, dialing in your voice, and were you writing things down from a, a pretty young age? Yeah, I, I, I've always sung. Um, I've always liked harmonies and, like, finding harmonies. And um, I think, you know, I probably, I probably sang. Yeah, I sang with, like, my little piano songs. But that really started in middle school when I like started quote songwriting um, because I was just like, I don't know at, the, at that age, you're just ripping off the Beatles, yeah. you know? Um, so I, I would, I, I started really like singing to song about middle school and like songwriting for the first time. Most, mostly stuff on the keys at that point. Or, no, at or that point it was it? on the guitar. Okay. Yeah. Or the bass guitar. Did, um, did, the did that sort of like unlock something different for you? Like when you picked up the guitar and were 
kind of writing your own tunes. Yeah, that was like the guitar was the first instrument um, I played that felt um, what's the word I'm looking for, Dan? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> sustainable okay i was like yeah i could play this forever uh it, it just it you know because the guitar has a lot of things going for it. it's like cool right for like a, a middle schooler it's yeah. like it's pretty cool to play guitar a little more mobile way more mobile <laughs> it's not it's not a fucking yeah i don't have to put it in a, a case that is bigger than me you know and wheel it around yeah, like right? a fucking nerd um and it's not a grand piano uh yeah you can take it anywhere it's 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 you can play any song you've heard on the radio on it you know it's like it's it's more modern it's more it's it's um you know it, it's all muscle memory in, in terms of like uh, left hand stuff so it's you know if you know that this song is in the key of G you can like you can figure it out you know like it just made it made way more sense to me than piano ever did and I really I mean I, I seriously fell in love with it I, I'm, I'm I'm shocked how how much like time and effort kids put into learning something new you know yeah like I really it's all I did for years was just play guitar just come home from school yeah play guitar play guitar at school like in the lunchroom you know um on break would in between classes run to the band room to play guitar or you know pick up the bass for a couple seconds like i just i was like completely addicted that's awesome hell yeah um did you find that you were as excited about like learning songs you were hearing on the radio equally to kind of exploring your own expression with it yeah almost i think probably more so um my my favorite thing to do is just put on a record that i you know like blink 182 or green day or weezer like early weezer and just play through every song I i found that very very exciting and cool like Oh, I can, I can, and it sounds somewhat like these songs. If I put it through yeah. my distortion pedal, you know, like, Hey, that's kind of cool. I can play all these songs. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't think like writing wasn't th- that important to me for a long time. It was more like I can express myself, even if I'm playing other people's music, which a lot of time I was for sure. Yeah. When did you kind of uh start really developing your own i don't know cat i don't want to say not catalog but just like your own collection of music in whatever form that was like when did you get away from just whatever was like being played on the radio as far as the oldie stuff and start kind of like oh really developing your own taste in things so in the eighth grade um up until that point all I had really listened to, you know, all the CDs I had were either classical music. Um, actually, no, I think exclusively classical music and a couple soundtracks. Um, do you and, remember which soundtracks? Dude, you know what? I had the Lost in Space soundtrack. Whoa. <laughs> I don't even know why. 
And then I had, I think I had a Chumba Wumba record. Ooh. I say a Chumba Wumba record, the. but we, we know which one it is. <laughs> the Chumba yeah. Wumba record. <laughs> that record is like crazy experimental and like. Really? Like, I don't know. Someone played that recently in, uh, I don't know. I was on tour with the band back in May mm-hmm. and the person we were staying with put on that CD and yeah, that record is wild. Are they Irish? I think they're Irish. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure where it's from, yeah. but I do know that some of the members are from this super raw punk band Crass, oh, which wow. is just like just very like grimy punk. Yeah. And like yeah, there's a lot of like weird political statements in that Chumbawamba record wow but also just like yeah there's some like crazy like i think like house and kind of like dance music and just like electronic experimental stuff i need to go back and and listen maybe it'll like i'll have like sense memories of being in my childhood bedroom yeah i just think that was probably like a pretty big miss from everybody that got on board for the tub thumping thing (laughs) you know like that that song just had like such this mass appeal yeah it really did yeah and then you put on the rest like i think that's the only song that most people listen to when they had that cd yeah and it was like the first song too that's interesting yeah (laughs) wow yeah i i I don't i don't know if i ever listened to anything else i think i probably just like had tub thumping on repeat but lots of lots of classical in the lots of classical I, I the harry potter soundtrack was big for me um the star wars soundtrack i love john williams um and then my friend eddie uh so we we moved in uh right before middle school so i didn't i, I was i basically didn't know anybody going to middle school and my my buddy eddie who sort of took me under his wing um and he was like a cool kid you know <laughs> he gave me Weezer's blue album to listen to. And I I don't think it's like an understatement to say like it changed my life. Really. Um, it was the first like modern rock music I'd ever listened to, I think. And I just became obsessed like Weezer's blue album and then Pinkerton are to this day, two of my favorite records. Um, I listened to Pinkerton yesterday <laughs> from there. It was just like, yeah, it was like a lot of Weezer. I just got into these ruts of like, I'm going to deep dive on everything this band has to offer in high school. It was a lot of, I, I was, I was like quasi Christian in high school. I listened to a ton of Switchfoot, mm-hmm. a ton Dude, of those Switchfoot records, Isabeau. And I listened to really the beautiful letdown on, oh, on the way back up to Portland. So good. Yeah. Also, I always thought that John Foreman did a great job of like keeping everything pretty mystical in a way where it was never like super directly like Jesus, Jesus, For Jesus. Sure. You know, like it could be played on mainstream radio. Yeah. And like you didn't have to identify as Christian to even understand like those messages were in there or like it, it just was never like overbearing. Yeah, definitely. And there's like, yeah, I, I feel like in that, in that, era of christian pop rock music there's like a spectrum right Mm -hmm. so like switchfoot's pretty you know more spiritual than christian Mm -hmm. and then obviously on the other end you have like actual like worship bands and shit but switchfoot and reliant k were were the two bands that i listened to the most in high school okay so yeah my 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 high school rock band's music was just 
my interpretation of those two sounds put through. I, I don't know what I was saying with those, <laughs> you know, with those songs. So you were playing guitar and fronting yeah. that band, and like, yeah. was that that was your like first experience outside of maybe like the high school jazz band and things like that as far as playing music with other people and like actually writing your own music. Definitely. Yeah. That was, that was like my, my main sort of outlet for that. And, and you know, it was me and a a few friends and I, I, it was hard because I, when you're, when you're delusional in that age, you think like, yeah, we'll be doing this forever. You know, <laughs> we're, we're definitely going to be doing this 10 years yeah. from now, selling out huge venues. Yeah. Especially when those are the types of bands like a Switchfoot or a Weezer yeah. that are like the pinnacle for you. Like you just kind of see that as the road, like your band just gets big enough where you're just playing like these sold out shows in these huge rooms. Definitely. And, like, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't until much later that I understood there was like this middle ground for it. It was either like you're a rock star or you're a broke yes. musician <laughs> on the side of the street. Right. Yeah, it was like the only I mean, we even we even sent our music to the to the label that Reliant K was on, you know, because we, we thought, oh, for sure, they'd want to <laughs> sign us. That's awesome. And then, of course, we all went to college and broke up, and you know. But do you feel pretty comfortable from the get-go fronting a band and like playing shows in front of people? Yeah, I mean, like f- f- leading the band was maybe the most comfortable I had been. You know, it, it really, it really felt like something that I was. I, I actually, I hate that I started the sentence this way, but because I hate this phrase, but it felt like something I was called to do. You know, it just like really made sense to me. And I felt very confident in a way that I hadn't before, you know. Did you always uh, like use the lyric writing as uh, like a confessional or like as a way to process the world or your surroundings that always seemed to like make sense to you? I think so. You know, I looking back... I kind of roll my eyes at the music I was writing. Um, it was all very quasi philosophical and I mean, ultimately like really judgmental. Um, a lot of Christian music from that time is, yeah. uh, it's not, it's not very inward. No. Um, it's more like, look at you and the things you're doing. You're not good enough for her. You know, these <laughs> sorts of, or, or like stuff that I thought I understood, you know, I'm, I was, I was, um, I mean, I was like a bright kid and I was like learning in school. I was like learning about like philosophy for the first time, which is kind of like a profound, you know, period of your life when you, Oh, there's stuff outside of here. That's, that's interesting. And then yeah. I, I thought I understood it all. And so I was writing these songs with these big heady themes and, you know, but if I heard them now, I'm sure I would really uh, just cringe to death. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of cringe in my past. You know, yeah. I think that's just like part of the the stepping stones. It always blows sure. me away when you when you find out. You know, one of your favorite songwriters tells you hear the story, and they're like, "I wrote this song when I was 17." I know, just man. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. I feel like those people are so rare that just like understand everything, like genuinely. From you know, they're like 
18 years old writing hits, you know, I thought I was, I thought I was that Dan. <laughs> it's true. So where, where does it go from, you know, like high school bands into like the college era? Did you, do you just kind of like keep writing songs on your own after your band breaks up and yeah. like lean more into let's say the singer songwriter style of things. Yeah. So I, I didn't start another, I didn't start another group. Um, I, I played a little bit with my buddy, Kevin, who we, we played in my high school band together, but that was, you know, you can track, you can track my progression with the, with the bands that were like popular that I was listening to at the time. So 2007, right. was when I graduated high school. So that was okay. a lot of iron and wine. Um, Fleet Foxes came out with their first record around then. Um, a lot of a lot of like down tempo, cozy folk music. So that's sort of where I headed. Um, and at that time, I was writing more personal songs about myself um, and like depression and stuff. That's I mean that and which is a theme that would uh, carry me a very long way. <laughs> it seems so. Yeah. <laughs> it seems yeah. to be present in some of the recent yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's 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 everywhere now. But um that was yeah, that was when I first that was when I I sort of just like started focusing more on like my own brain, you know, um instead of like bigger ideas that I I thought were important to share my opinion on yeah yeah that seems to resonate heavier like yeah it's a lot easier um <laughs> to to just like uh dump out your insecurities and your negative thoughts you know than to to talk about plato metaphors and stuff yeah did you did you or do you even now find it easier to kind of pour your thoughts into a song opposed to maybe like talking through them in conversation with people? Oh, wow. Um, no, I think I always find it easier to, to talk it out okay. with someone that's actually the reverse. Yeah. The reverse is true. And I, there were, I wish, I wish the reverse of that reverse were true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's terribly hard for me to write music. Um, that, that, uh, you know, that is genuine to me, you yeah. know, but it's very easy for me to talk about my feelings with like a friend or a therapist, you know? And will you like, so because of that, will you mull over lyrics? Like, yeah. just labor over them very heavy like does it take you a long time to feel like okay this is this is good this is done I'm yeah ready to share this yeah i i am i'm just like glacially slow um at writing or or you know everything will happen at once and then i'll i will mull over it for a month it's not quite this word should be this word I've had this big epiphany lately is like, it doesn't just like fucking put it down and make it and nobody will know the difference or care. Um, yeah, that, that's been a, that's been a real struggle for me is like minute changes in, in while I'm writing lyrics, you know, and then I have to sit with this for another week, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Hard to get out of your own way. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to really, I had to really have a, 
my, my, my business partner and I, we had a coming to Jesus, what we call a coming to Jesus meeting where if one, if something's bothering one of us, we just like let it out. And we, you know, we have one of these every few months and it was about my perfectionism, uh, and how perfectionism is inhibiting progress, you know, Mm. or production. So that's been sort of my big theme lately. And it's really exciting to just like make something and be like, you know, this is not perfect. Perfect is unattainable. This is, this is good enough. This is what it is. You know, um, that's, it's felt very freeing and exciting. Yeah. I was recently talking to my, my cousin about this. I know this got brought up on a recent episode too. So sorry for all the the, the regular listeners, but yeah, just like the idea of even walking into this type of situation where like, I want it to be all of these things, but, and like, I want it to be great and, and kind of like, but letting go the idea of it being a perfect situation and just like, just sitting in it and just enjoying it for what it is. And like, just understanding that it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect or like maybe what I envisioned it to be or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean that, that vision is only in our heads, right? Like without, I, I would say every creative person in the world, their finished product looks different than what they had in mind. Yeah. I would say like even, you know, high end makers of, of art. Right. So like, who cares if, if this song isn't mixed perfectly, it's, it's it's better that it's done and that I learned something from it. You know, that, that's, that's my big thing lately is like everything I make is just a learning exercise. And if I have to, uh, if I have to sacrifice a little bit of like, you know, quote quality. Yeah to have learned something for the next one, which might be better than it's worth it. So along the lines of maybe trying to, you know, get around some of the perfectionism, have you found that like creative parameters are important to what you're doing or like setting timelines of like, I am going to finish this song today or like next week and, or Anything along those lines that you found to be helpful in, in letting go any of that? Timelines are definitely good. But then, you know, that's that's tricky. Setting timelines for myself is is tricky because like, well, if I break it, who am I letting down myself? Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll forgive myself and I'll be fine. It's not like a boss, you know? Um, so timelines kind of work for me. I'll I'll have like rough like I want to be done with this next week so that I can move on to the next thing. So when stuff sits on your plate for too long, it becomes stale and it loses whatever meaning it might've had, you know? So I I think for me lately, it's like capture it while it's fresh before it goes bad. And then, and in an attempt to like make genuine art, you know, because if I fiddle with it for too long, I can tell that it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. And had you released quite a bit of music like between 2007 and 2019 when you put out the Take This With You EP? No, I, I took a I took a break from all that. It was, yeah, I, I kind of took a break from music for a while and I hadn't recorded anything and it was like very hard to uh, work my way back into that. It was, it was not, it was not a lot of fun. <laughs> Like the the whole experience of even recording 
the take this with UEP and yeah. diving into that. Cause I know that that comes from like a very heavy time in your life. Like yeah, big themes of losing your mom and yeah. dealing with other things going on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure why I made that EP. I, I think, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a good time writing the songs. I didn't really have a good time. <laughs> I've, I've never told anybody this, by the way. I don't think I've ever said it out loud to myself. <laughs> That's amazing. Right here. Yeah. Exclusive. <laughs> this is a sad exclusive. <laughs> it's like the worst breaking news. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't love writing the songs. It felt laborious yeah um i didn't like recording the songs it felt uncomfortable and i was very anxious and i feel like anytime i listen to it now i'm like oh i can hear my voice shaking you know wow because i just like was uncomfortable um i putting it out there was very almost like embarrassing it's like sorry here's some music um and then I, yeah, I look back on it now. And I'm like, yeah, it was fine. I, I think, I think now I understand. I was like forcing myself to start something that I really wanted, which is what I have now, which is like, you know, a very modest. I'm, I'm proud of my music now, but I had to, I had to, I just had to release this thing yeah. that I didn't really like just to get the ball rolling, you know. Yeah. Do you also looking back? on that particular record now do you do you feel like you you needed to like do that for yourself too just because like of everything you were going through and just like being able to process some things in in that way for sure and i i think you know if i listen to that music i like i danced around what was really happening mm-hmm. i wasn't like quite ready to dive into it which was that my my mother died you know a couple of years before um so it's it's not like an honest genuine look at grief but it is like a picture of grief you know it's it's sort of it sort of orbits what i was really feeling but that i was like incapable or not ready to actually put into music yeah that little life song mm-hmm. is probably my favorite out of that collection of tunes. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. But there's definitely something with the Sorry I Missed You collection of songs that like maybe feels more sure of itself. Yeah. You leaned into like some groovier stuff. Yeah. With the record. So was just was that just like an overall just a much different experience for you as far as like being able to enjoy what you were actually doing yeah throughout yeah that was the most fun i'd had making music period um i wrote a a few of those songs actually after my dog after i put my dog to sleep i went to southwester and stayed in a um a little rv and walked on the beach and processed being alone for the first time without my dog in 12 years and wrote a few songs and then came back and wrote the rest and and then just like it all it all happened like how i would want it to happen Mm. which was more uh timely you know it it all felt fresh to me still it didn't feel like i was performing somebody else's songs gotcha for the recordings yeah 
Yeah. So like as far as the the older tunes, will you when you're playing sets now, like do you even play any of those songs or is it just more recent stuff like the Sorry I Missed You tunes and other songs that you've written? Yeah, I don't I don't play the old songs. Okay. I they just don't um they just don't feel like mine. Yeah. They don't resonate with me. They don't feel real to me. Yeah. Yeah. That must be like strange to have that like even out there then. Like if you're like feeling so far removed from them in that way. In fact, when you when just now when you said little life, I had to think, what is that? (laughs) Truly. I like didn't I didn't know. I I forgot that about that song, you know. Yeah, it just feels like a different I mean, I was so I was so uh deep and locked down in depression, you know, like your brain just sort of like becomes like a there's like a smoke shield yeah. for everything. Absolutely. And so I don't really remember writing those songs. I don't really remember like how I felt about those songs, but I don't play them live anymore. I'm always starting over. This is, <laughs> this is another problem. <laughs> so what, um, like, where do you see, like, talk to me about making Sorry I Missed You and maybe like some of the, the through lines that you see, like that tie the record together. Yeah. So I recorded it with, um, Ryan Oxford, uh, who's just a really wonderful person, uh, to, to be around and to work on music with, we sort of made it. I mean, it felt like I was, it felt like I was in high school again, like making a record with a buddy in the garage, you know, um, we made it together. Really. I brought, I brought demos. Yeah. But like Ryan's voice is so in the record. Um, it's like undeniable and it's like, to me, I mean, this is, this is maybe self-effacing, but to me it like makes the record, you know, um, I'm like slowly getting to know Ryan over these like past few months. And I mean, he's definitely making like some of my favorite records that are coming out of the city yeah, for sure. But I remember at like, after you had sent me the record, I had seen him and I was like, dude, that Alex Croson record is fucking awesome and he was just like dude that was so much fun <laughs> to make just because he said that you kind of like came in you know like you said with these demos but really had like a very open mind to like what the songs could become yeah i really you know ryan i don't want to put him up on a pedestal or anything but ryan is like he's a brilliant musician and like the way he thinks the way he thinks about songs in their construction is very interesting to me. It was like fun just to like watch him do his thing as I did my thing, you know? And it worked really well. Like I, I, it was just so, I mean, the time flew, but yeah, it, it, it was like, I had these, I had these very bare bones demos and then I would play them for him on acoustic guitar and he would be like, yeah, I hear like a, and he would just like grab instruments and, and just start playing a part. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's cool. <laughs> and then, so the first day was sort of, um, we did goddess of dawn on the first day. We basically did a song a day. It was a pretty good clip. It was a lot of fun. First day was goddess of dawn. And I was like, yeah, it's, it sounds like a recording of this song, you know? And then the second day was when things we, I think we did Tabitha on the second day, which was like nothing I'd ever made before or thought I could make but always sort of 
wanted to make, like this sort of groovy. Yeah. I mean, you can like, you can kind of dance around to that song, mm-hmm. you know? You can't really dance around to any of the songs on my first <laughs> record. <laughs> yeah, it's such a different vibe from yeah. that record, you know? And yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's vastly different, and it, but it felt to me like I had found something. It's like, oh, this is, this is still me, and this is what I want my music to sound like. Yeah, and this is the kind of music I want to play, and I want to like dance around on stage, and like see people bopping their heads and having a good time. I was like, but I'm still singing about depression. I'm still singing about grief. Yeah. Um, I feel like I found I found myself again. Like I woke up and I was like, "Whoa, I can make this music. This is mine." And later, listening to it, I was like, "Man, this sounds so good, and it's so cool that I made this." And now, now I'm like, I'm I'm fanboying about my own music, which is not extremely charismatic or cool. But I don't think it's uncool. I also think it's maybe cool just because it seems like you've had some battles within yourself about it. So it's, yeah, I think it's rad that you're so stoked about it coming off of like what you previously released, you Thanks, know? Yeah. I think that's like, that's growth. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it really felt, it really felt like a, like a growth moment. think that also you do have something to be proud of man it's like a great record and like i think it's like i don't know i think there's some good songs on the previous ep but there's definitely like a noticeable difference with sorry i missed you like front to back and Mm. like your your vocal melodies and your like your delivery and your hooks are just like it seems like you found a place like the right place for them. And there is like, even on goddess of dawn, that's not like a super upbeat tune, but there's like such a big pocket, like in that chorus where you can like bob your head to it and like lose yourself in, in the groove of like a lot of parts on the record, like outside of just Tabitha. Thanks. Thank you. That's, that's, that's all, that was all very soul feeding to hear. (laughs) That's what I'm here to do. Alex. I'm I'm here to feed your soul. Personal hype, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I I really feel now that like um I'm I'm where I need to be in terms of making music that and and the, the this whole this whole thing of 
kind of boppy songs about like, you know, my dead mom or like, you know, an ex, you know, yeah. um, I, I found, I, I, I have found like I've fallen into a bit of a pocket. Yeah. Is there something you feel like you just like tapped into rhythmically when writing these songs to like find that pocket and that delivery that feels so good that has been different from in the past or was a lot of that just like working with Ryan and him kind of like showing you where your ideas could go. Yeah. I think Ryan, Ryan showed me and then I, I felt like I um, was able to take the ball and run like the music I'm, I'm making now post record, you know, Mm -hmm. is all like that, you know? And it's very exciting for me. It's like, I, I feel for a very long time that I was, I was in a, in my shell of like, I can't show too much, uh, I can't, I can't get too groovy. Um, I can't have too much fun with my, with my, my body, you know? Um, but after making those songs, I, I felt like it, I don't even know how to express this. I feel like it, um, allowed me to be a little bit like sexy or something, you know, like I was like, Ooh, I'm kind of like feeling, I'm feeling this. And I'm like, I'm like kind of grooving along and like giving myself permission to like enjoy that for sure. Instead of being like this sad, you know, strictly sad sort of like white wall, you know? Yeah. I think that attitude all like comes through in the, in the record. And I think that's like what I was saying, maybe in regards to it feeling like it's more sure of itself. Mm. Like you can feel that you're excited about it. Sweet. For sure. That That's great to hear. I, I definitely was. Am. Any Other Way is one of my favorite jams oh, on there for sure. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, maybe entertaining story. We sat down to, to, to figure out what that song was going to sound like. And originally it was a uh, finger picking. And it sounded a lot different. And we were having a hard time like finding the groove between Ryan on drums and me on guitar. And we said, well, let's just record it, see how it goes, and if we can like figure something out. And right before we started recording, I said, Ryan, I'm going to strum instead of finger pick because I think it'll help us fall, in, fall into a groove a little bit easier. And I did. And that very first try at that is the take that's on the record that's awesome and my friend Kristen, who sang harmonies on that was sitting sitting right across from me so it was ryan in the other room me and Kristen, and one take and then the song ended and and ryan sort of turned his head to look through the glass and he was like did we do it (laughs) yeah i think we did we did it and i went in and we listened to it and i was like i don't think we should do another take it was incredible it was a very very special moment i love that song Come to grips with my lips Tell me how you feel Is your vision all a fog like mine? Put your hands in my hands We can make a deal And in the end you will know I've lied
this record on guitar is that still like your your main tool for writing i know you're, you said you're dabbling with the keys a bit yeah again. all of those were on guitar um on acoustic guitar now i i sort of moved away from writing on acoustic guitar now i'll often set a drum loop up and either play on my electric or on my bass but usually it it comes from like a voice memo, you know, on on the road or like in the bathroom or something of like a little thing, you know, little melody or something. And then I'll like build it out in logic. Yeah. Um so I haven't I haven't written on my acoustic guitar in a while. That must be exciting too to yeah. kind of dive into that and I'm sure that that is just going to keep bringing out like very rhythmic style vocals as well. Yeah. Finding those pockets. It definitely informs it, it informs the the vocal rhythms for sure, as opposed to strumming or finger picking on an acoustic guitar, which I've, I've like done for so long. I feel like I, for me, I just like wore out my usefulness there, you know? Yeah. What do you appreciate about like maybe these songs that kind of hover around just like two or three chords and there's not like too many big movements? What do I appreciate about them? You said? Yeah. Or like, what do you, what do you like about? like things like that that maybe don't have like a crazy amount of movement to them but there's still like a lot of dynamic in there because like i think it's something i've come to appreciate maybe over the last i don't know just like 10 years like i'll sit and i'm i'm down for a song that is just gonna like repeat the same chords throughout and like doesn't necessarily need a change between the verse and the chorus that's super significant or need this big bridge moment yeah i i think i've become a much more minimalist in that way. I, I like the atmosphere, you know, like I'm, I'm like, it's, it's fine if it's like two chords and the same lyric over and over again, but like what, what mood is it building? Uh, Ryan and I called it world building, you know, like each of these songs has its own little world and like it's rules within that world. So I, I've, I've really come to appreciate that because I used to just like, overwrite lyrics Mm -hmm. so hard like every line had to be clever internal rhymes um every line had to be like a metaphor that like built on the last line you know like uh, just like overwriting so much and now i'm like it's fine if it's if it's just like a if it's just nice to listen to you know yeah it's so funny because like i think as i'm I'm like four years older than you, but it seems like a lot of the same music made its way into our, our, uh, wherever we were. Yeah. And like maybe had like a similar, a similar like trajectory of, you know, like these, these big bands like Switchfoot, you know, and then diving into like some of the, the folkier stuff where you get like some of that repetition and you learn that like a single line repeated can be just as powerful as having like three verses and a bridge full of lyrics and and stuff like that. Or just, I don't know, my appreciation for 
like those lines that maybe even feel like throwaway lines where someone's like, I was at the grocery store on a Tuesday or like, and it's just like that line like really means nothing, but it gives me so much to think about. Like, yeah, when you, man, especially like when you put like a specific place in there, like maybe a specific city and it's just like, I've never even been to that city, but this feels significant to me. Yeah. There's something about that. I mean, that, that's, that, especially the specificity. I, I, I love Buck Meek of uh big thief. Okay. Um, and his, his songs are like describing his day, like yeah. with specific names of people and places and things. And I, I love all that, but, yeah. um, especially coming from the songwriting school of Reliant K who were like almost sickeningly clever, you know, it is a, it is a very like welcome departure for me to, to, to sort of just bathe in the song instead of taking a quick shower, you know, just bathe, just like lay down and bathe in it. Um, my partner really loves silver Jews. Um, and so I've been listening to a lot of silver Jews and the sort of like colloquialness, like why did he say that sort of ness of that music yeah. that has been really exciting to listen to. <laughs> yeah. It just gives you something like, for me, at least, it like gives me something maybe deeper within to think about because it's so anonymous or mysterious at yeah. times. Yeah, like gives you less, so you have to you have to meet it more than halfway, and it gets you thinking about things instead of detailing everything it's trying to say. Yeah, yeah. It's like even though there's a lot of those old records that still hit with me heavy, just like you know Pinkerton oh, does yeah. for you. There's, uh, I just find maybe a little less value in the things that are like just in your face telling you like word for word what yeah. you're supposed to be feeling, I guess. Like, yeah. What is your biggest, what is your biggest sort of like informative record from that time? Uh, I mean, still to this day, like Jack's mannequin holiday and real like i don't know if you're familiar with like something corporate or like the oh, andrew, yeah. andrew mcmahon is the the front person for okay. all of the but everything in transit is the record from jack's mannequin but i don't know there's so much like all that thrice stuff that we talked about oh, off yeah. mic and dustin is like one of those people where i could see how you could be influenced by him in the way that he approached like the, the philosophical stuff and did it so well. Yeah. And I said, like, I see like so many people trying to like recreate that or like get lost in that. But yeah, like all that thrice stuff. Alchemy index. Were you in the <laughs> alchemy index? Yeah the, yeah. the alchemy index was like very next level to me. Cause yeah, that was same. like their huge departure and like so many people didn't like it. And I was just like, I'm all in on this. Yeah. And like, Cause I think that's also like not to go on a big thrice tangent. Let's go there. But I think that like, there's so many of those bands from that era, not, not like a Weezer or a green day or even a Switchfoot. Like those bands obviously have like crazy sustainability and like continue to make great records, but like maybe like the other bands in the pop punk world, they're all like doing these anniversary tours, which are, which are very fun. But I think like a lot of those bands, you know, those people are only there for that. Yeah. And like Thrice seems to like build sustainability in chasing like the next thing and like never wanting to make 
the same record and they started right. exploring with like different instrumentation and stuff. And I think it's like, it's exciting to like go to those shows still and see that everybody loves the new music just as much. And you better because they're going to play like, they're not just going to play a bunch of hits from right. the past. You know, like they'll play a little bit of that, but they're playing the whole catalog. So it's like, it's exciting in that way. That's or, pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, like Jimmy world's bleed American. Oh yeah. That's like, yeah, that's high school. Like just changed my, my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Listening to those, those records that meant so much to me now is sort of like nerve wracking a little bit. I don't, I'm not sure why they like, they, they make me feel like, like I'm time traveling and I'm like, Oh, I'm uncomfortable here. <laughs> uh, I think it's, yeah, it's interesting going back to see what actually resonates and what like misses heavy. Yeah. Cause there's like, there's plenty of stuff that I listened to in that era that I go back and listen to now. And I'm just like, well, I was really into this. Like that's <laughs> wild. Like, especially like some of the heavier, like alternative rock that I mm. like loved, like bands like cold or seether. <laughs> like, oh, sure. Like I was, I don't know. I was heavy into tool? like, Were you a t- I like tool yeah. still. Okay. Yeah. That stuff I can like get behind and kind of like see like the genius in it, I guess. Sure. Like yeah. the complexity of like some of that, but Incubus. Yeah. yeah, man, the Incubus shit, like stuff like that, or even like the Limp Biscuits and okay. things like that, where I was just like, whoa, I was really into this. Like, it's interesting to like go back to that time and like see see what hits yeah and see yeah I it's don't like know. talking to your former self like oh you you love this huh interesting yeah. we don't anymore but yeah <laughs> it's cool that you did but then yeah and then i also have my my pinkertons too where yeah. i like go back and listen to it i'm like yes like <laughs> isabeau and i listen to this under oath album they're only chasing safety on the way wow. home that's one of my favorite records of all time still hell yeah it's it's amazing sometimes <laughs> sometimes you nail it you know as a kid <laughs> every once in a while <laughs> I was getting it right. <laughs> and also like Phil Collins, it was like stuff that my parents showed me early on. Oh, sure. And he's still like one of my favorites. And it, um, like that stuff makes more sense to me, even as an adult of wow. like, Oh, I love this even more now. That's very cool. So like yeah. a different, different perspective on the same music now as you did then. Yeah. I was just like eight years old, loving these very sad love songs like very sad music sad yeah. music continues to be a theme in my life and i'm not mad about it and that's why i love you know sorry i missed you ah, hey, there you go it's a good way to it's i a love good way some to bummer jams <laughs> somber jams do you like to uh like i know that you put out that shania twain cover yeah which i think is like such a cool take on that Thanks. and i didn't really I didn't know what I was like hearing in it. Like as far as like influences, as far as like what your take on that song was, but then you posted that thing about Roy Orbison that you did that Roy Orbison cover. Yeah. And I think your Shania Twain like cover definitely has a lot of like that delivery in it. And interesting. Like vocally even. Yeah. I feel like I hear that in that tune really yeah interesting okay but the shania twain cover is great i guess what i'm curious about is like do you find a lot of uh 
like when you're learning a cover now, do you feel like you get a lot out of it as far as just even understanding song structure still, or like what, like how you can make things happen in your own tunes? Definitely. I, I would say, especially with the Shania Twain cover, cause I had to, you know, I very rarely like look up lyrics to songs. Yeah. I either can hear them and understand them. So I know them or I don't hear them quite well. And so I just like, I kind of just give up on the lyrics a little bit, but reading the Shania Twain lyrics, it's like, so it's so, uh, it's an extremely surface level pop song, you know? Um, but I was like, you know, it means so much to me and it means so much to my partner who's who I made it for initially. Um, that was, that was a good moment for me to be like, Oh yeah, it doesn't need to be, you can just say, you can just say how you're feeling, you know, yeah. without linking it to a metaphor or an analogy or for something. Sure. Um, and yeah, so I, I actually, I have a Patreon now where I make a cover a month. Um, and none of them is, I've, I've, I've done two so far. I've released one so far, but they haven't come as easy as that one. For some reason that Sh- the Shania Twain cover came so easily to me. I did it in like a day. It was it was really it was really natural to me. But the ones I've done since have been like I don't know. I I, I struggle finding the my spin. You know what your take is? Yeah. Yeah. Like when you did that Shania one, were you just listening to that song one day and been like, I think I hear like what this could be? Yeah. Actually, you know what it was? I I made like a little demo of a a riff that I like, which ended up being the synth line in the Shania Twain song. And then in trying to find like a vocal melody, I started singing the Shania Twain song. Um, and I was like, Oh, that works. That, that sounds like that song. And it's got like a good, a good, the, the, the lyrical, uh, rhythm works really good. Yeah. And so I just, I turned it into, into forever and for always but it, it didn't it didn't start that way maybe that's the key is just to use something that doesn't that isn't meant for this cover and find a way to make it work if it works yeah no, i just thought it was cool like it was it's so it's such a different feel but still like captures like the sentiment of the the jam yeah thank you i i think i think playing it um with the intention of giving it as a gift to my partner. I think that's why. Because I'm like, oh, I love you forever and for always. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You could, you could resonate with yeah. what was happening. <laughs> yeah. I sold the performance because I felt it. In your heart, I can still hear a beat for every time you kiss Ain't no
Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. The fall and winter months are upon us and North 45 has a rotating cocktail menu to keep you warm throughout the rainy and cold season. The rosemary garlic fries are my go-to item on the food menu. The fry sauce is absolutely lights out and their kitchen staff is always getting creative with daily food specials. Aside from it being a great neighborhood bar for food and drinks, they've got one of the best patios in the city which is heated and covered. The patio has a ton of TVs, so you can watch all your favorite sports. And on Sundays from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., they've got local DJs spinning jams, curating the music, both on the patio and inside the bar. So come through for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. Outside of uh, making some some great tunes as of late, you have this uh, completely arbitrary... Yeah podcast That's right. about trees and uh coming up on the two-year anniversary of it that's right yeah and you've have you been doing an episode every week since mm-hmm. y'all put that first one out in 2021 yeah we'll take a week off here and there okay. and we'll like release a patreon episode for free but well, yeah we every week for someone that's been doing a weekly podcast themselves i know that that can be um a labor like an intensive thing to yeah. like make happen every single week so congrats on uh making it to like the two-year point because thank you there's so many people that start podcasts including myself and do like three episodes of it and then never do it again sure. i have plenty of those <laughs> and maybe some of them will come back maybe some of them won't i don't know oh, but wow um, <laughs> an, un- an unreleased <laughs> hidden tapes yeah talk to me about the, the podcast and what you're doing yeah so my friend Casey Clapp is a uh, somewhat renowned uh, arborist dendrologist dendrology is the study of trees okay he was on an episode of the podcast ologies with Allie Ward where she talks to ologists of all kinds every week and it was like an instant classic episode and everybody loved it and he he got some good notoriety from that casey is an incredible figure uh he's he's a trip like to know him is to he's like a, a real presence in your life you know in a good way and he came to me at the end of 2020 with an idea for a podcast about trees because i make like all kinds of media and I I know how to make these things and he has all the tree knowledge and his pitch was like, you know, a tree expert sits down with a, with somebody who doesn't know anything about trees, (laughs) Uh, which sounds like a great idea. uh, Until, you know, you, I, I've hit so many walls where like my natural interest sort of wanes. I'm like, I, I, you know, I, I do like trees, uh, <laughs> but you don't have the same passion. Yes. <laughs> and, and there's, the, yeah, the formula is like, Ooh, there's a, there's a hidden, there's a hidden downside or is the person who is the novice yeah. is going to hit, is going to hit some walls, you know? 
Um, I don't know. From listening, I think that's what also makes it like gives it some of its charm, though. Sure. Is that like you're just trying to make jokes about things? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say I have very little interest in this particular topic. Can we move on? Or I'm not really into trees today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I hope is what other people feel when, you know, like learning about something. Like everybody hits a wall where they're like, I don't give a shit anymore. But overall, I'm a, I'm a big fan. So we started this podcast uh, and it went really well, like immediately, um, yes. which was not what I was expecting. <laughs> it seems like it has like a pretty substantial following for only have been doing it for two years. Yeah, it's it's going good. It's going good. Um, we were stunned. Uh and it's, you know, it's our full-time job now, both of us. Is it wild to you for being the person that doesn't have the same passion for the trees <laughs> to find out how many people like just love listening to this podcast? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have our communities, you know, there's like, there's pockets of people out there who can't get enough, but I was, I was, I guess I, th I guess I thought it would be like extremely niche. And my, my goal was to like, how do we make this not so niche? While still, while still making it about trees, you know, when I tell people I have a podcast about trees, they go, oh, okay. You know, and sort of like, how, why? <laughs> <laughs> I just love that you don't like, it's not really your passion. You're just like, I have this podcast about trees because my friend is really yeah, into trees. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. That's, that's something I've had to come to terms with a few times. And we, we've had a, a few of those, uh, coming to Jesus moments <laughs> that like, how do we make Alex more invested? <clears throat> not more invested, but how do you know, give, give me something to do on the show. Yeah. That's been a, that's been a thing. Yeah. Is there something you like really appreciate about like the practice and the discipline though of having like that weekly thing to put out into the world? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like changed my brain really. Um, I think it was when I noticed that people were listening mm -hmm. when we had an, even a, even a somewhat substantial audience, it's like, oh, we have to make this show. We can't, we can't miss a Thursday. You know, we have to make this show because people are listening. And then when it f became my full-time job, I was like, okay, this is like, <laughs> there's no, there's no more, there's no missing deadlines here. Um, yeah, I, I, I am, I surprised myself, uh, being this invested in a project for so long, especially a creative project. Um, you only have so much energy to spend on creativity, you know? Yeah, man. Um, so I, and, I, and then I, I found out how many episodes you have of this show and it's, uh, shocking. Like I'm, I'm, I just, it's like almost superhuman. I can't, I can't even imagine. Um, and you, you're doing it by yourself. You don't have a partner and you have, yeah. a, and you have, you have guests and you have to schedule all that, which we've never, we, the only reason we don't have guests is because we don't want to go through the hassle of scheduling people. Yeah. It's, that's definitely part of the process. Yeah. But I think that's, I don't know. It's nice that you, you know, you got the the co-hosting situation where you don't need to like rely on guests to like make it interesting in that way or have someone to bounce back ideas. Cause yeah. I think like it's important that I have guests cause I don't think anybody wants to like listen to me ram like ramble on every week by myself. <laughs> every once in a while I've been leaning in doing some solo episodes and like I had fun doing Last week's episode, I did like a radio style episode yeah. and like that was fun to just That's do exciting. some different style of production because 
the production part was not something I was I was personally doing originally on my own. Oh, okay. Like we were recording studio sessions for the first like 70 episodes. Oh, wow. And having like a live performance element to it. So it'd be like kind of KEXP style yeah. where there was like a performance and an interview happening. And then it wasn't until the pandemic actually that I started doing actual editing to the podcast and like would remove parts and like would remove like all the dead air from the like the zoom delay and stuff yeah then i found it important because i was like so early on i was so like fucking tied to this idea that everything just needed to be raw sure and that the conversation will just be whatever it is and like if someone just says um for two minutes that's all gonna be in there and i was like this is real man and it's just yeah. like yeah this isn't that always that enjoyable to listen to so it wasn't until yeah like pandemic i started doing all of the editing and kind of engineering myself which i found that to be like a very creative part of this not that the conversation is not but it's you know it's different than it's like different, yeah. making music or something where like when i get to like bring the music into the conversation like organically or whatever or get to like do that radio style episode where i'm bringing in just like a bunch of recorded clips that i ask people to record answers to and not mm. really in conversation with them like that brings in like the creative elements of it like where oh this episode feels different this was fun because of that and maybe yeah. i want to do like one of these every four weeks i want to have like one of these style episodes or were you were you resistant to that chain or that idea of mixing it up a little bit like I, I, I sort of see, I, I sort of see podcast in the same way that I see sitcom mm-hmm. showing up to basically see the same thing every yeah, week, you know, for sure. Everything must be exactly structured, exactly the same, the same intro, like yep. a, a scripted intro, you know, a scripted outro, the same segments every week. Did you, did you, was it hard for you to change that your sort of the groove that you'd settled into? I think so. I think. Yeah, I think I needed to like allow myself to bend the rules because it used to be like we share three songs on the podcast. Right. And there's like a break where I'd be like, all right, Alex, now we're going to hear, you know, this jam and this is it. And then it would be like an actual break in the episode. Yeah. And then there would be the ones at the top and the back end of the episode. Okay. And there'd only be songs there. But then I started like doing the editing and I think it's like way more fun to just like bring a song into the conversation. Like you can like create moments that way. Yeah. Instead of like, all right, now we're going to hear this one. (laughs) Like I don't like now I don't like that, you know, (laughs) like a like a radio radio. Like it's cool at the end to be like, all right, I want to play the episode out with this. Yeah. You know, like we'll do with apartment dog. Oh, sweet. Here shortly but like (laughs) i like doing that part still but um yeah i think i just started seeing kind of the the magic that could be created with the editing and like with a little bit more production and it made it more fun and there's still there's still a little structure you know there's still an intro that is very much kicks off the exact same way everybody has to hear me do my stupid like (laughs) what's happening everybody welcome back you know like that's always gonna be there yeah and there's the intro music that like 
people that have listened to this from the beginning know that that's like always been the intro. Yeah. Like hopefully always will be. So I, I think that that's a, that's a good point that it's, you, you sort of over time, like redefine your definition of structure. Like you have to just zoom out a little bit. It's still the same kind of thing you're doing, but like if you mix things around a little bit, on a more micro scale, that's fun. That's fine. Yeah. Casey's been really important to me in that regard of like, Casey is chaos, right? I am structure. So he has like really brought a little bit of chaos out of yeah. me and I've really brought a little structure to him. And it's like, we found this nice balance that I think yeah. works for us. Yeah. Like I, t- I certainly don't want every episode to be, this different thing. Yeah. You know, I don't want to bounce around too much. Right. But I think every once in a while it's nice to, to shake it up, whether it's for me or for the people listening for sure know, and get to change it up. And I don't know, there's still, there's still things that are not so structured. Like how long is the episode? The episode is as long as the conversation like felt good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And some of them are 45 minutes and some of them are an hour and a half or even push that two hour mark every once in a while. Right. So did you go into the, sorry, now I'm just like really interested. Uh, to learn about I'm sure everybody loves history. the inside baseball talk on podcasts. <laughs> yes. This is bound to happen, Alex. We both have a podcast. We're going to talk about it. This is what happened no. when I had a all on. And oh, they yes. also have like two podcasts. So yeah. we talked podcasting. <laughs> yeah. I got together with my friend Lizzie for the first time in years and years. And she had just started a podcast and we spent just hours talking about podcasts and not really catching up on our lives. <laughs> so I'm always, I'm always interested to hear what other people are doing. Yeah. When you went into this show, like at the very beginning, mm-hmm. was it like, did you have all these rules for yourself, like going in or did you just sort of start making it and find the rules as you went? Yeah, I think I, it was a little bit of both. Like I tried to have some structure in the beginning yeah. of like, we're going to have those three songs and right. like things had to work a certain way, especially cause we were doing most of it in a studio with a live performance. Things had to be structured sure. in a way and the time had to fit a certain window cause we would try to do more than one pod, like two or three in a day since we're using an actual studio space. Oh, wow. So there had to be some like, all right, well, this has to wrap by this time because the next person is going to be here yeah. in 15 minutes. You've got a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Too. So wow, okay. it was a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay. But I think it's, yeah. And I think it's still a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> no, it's cool that you guys are doing that though and i think even uh even for someone that doesn't necessarily have this passion for trees when i was listening today i like understood why you have this following or like because like i just kept listening just like (laughs) just like your record i just like kept listening and i like instantly felt like oh like you can clearly hear that there is like this dynamic between the two of you and like your roles in it and like what is intriguing about it, you know, because like someone that doesn't care about trees can turn on an episode, I think, and still like enjoy just the personalities that are being presented. I appreciate that. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. I I actually, I also don't want to undersell, uh, 
my 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 natural curiosity. I'm like paranoid <laughs> now. I'm like, oh, I sound like I don't give a shit about trees. That's not going to play well with the arbitrary crowd. <laughs> You have a different passion for trees now, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I. If you take a walk with me, I'll stop every 30 seconds and be like, oh, look at this. See how it's... Uh, these leaves are actually this and that. It's, it it kind of seeps into your bones and you just become this different person. <laughs> well, along with the music, I will make sure that all of the links are in the episode notes so that oh, cool. people can... Uh, keep up with the tunes and the the weekly podcasts and uh yeah appreciate you you jumping on the mics with me thanks for having glad me. we finally got to do this yeah yeah i had to we had to cancel the first time because i was a little sicky boy but yeah it happens yeah feeling better now <laughs> thank you so much i i I, I told you before we started recording, I don't get to, I don't get to be on a lot of other podcasts. So this is all very exciting for me. It's a, it, it's a, it's always fun for me when I get to like guest somewhere. Cause yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. I get to just kind of like show up. I don't really have to like do any like prep work for yeah. this particular conversation. It's kind of like a much different lane to, to, to be sitting in. Yeah. It makes me, it honestly makes me want to start another podcast where I just get to do this. Basically. <laughs> uh, I want to play the episode out with apartment dog. Uh, it's the last track on the record. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you can want to share about this one, whether it was like a part of the, the production and in, in creating it or just like where the tune came from. Yeah. So apartment dog, um, my, my dog solo, I had to put him to sleep, uh, last year and he's a, he was a, uh, Australian shepherd. It's like a f- working dog, like a farm dog. And he lived with me in apartments his entire life. <laughs> um, so I, and I have a lot of, uh, you know, I have a lot of, uh, worries about, am I, am I getting out enough? You know, am I traveling enough? Am I seeing it? Am I experiencing enough? Am I living enough? Um, so I wrote a song for us, uh, that we're, we're, we're just a couple apartment dogs. RIP to solo. Yeah. My good boy. Um, check out the sorry I missed you record. You can uh, find it on all of the the streaming services. All those links to keep up with Alex will be in the episode notes. And uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program. (laughs) It's a tradition. (laughs) Speaking of things that are structured, this is 99% how we end the show. Every time you can say it, however you would like, it's a program means absolutely nothing. It's just the way that my grandfather says, the news program he like or any tv show he always will say program yeah it's just this enunciation thing that it's, it's seems one of to those common those grandparent words yeah davenport or yeah yeah it's just every time it's like oh we should watch the news program and uh <laughs> so if we can get the alex cross in yeah. it's a program we can properly uh sail this thing out okay hey you know what it's a program. <laughs> he nailed it, everybody. That's Alex Crozen. Check out the Sorry I Missed You record. And uh, we're playing it out with Apartment Dog. Last song on that album. And uh, that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, or wherever you are listening from. Cool, man. Bye. <laughs> you and me, we are both an apartment dog. We spend our lives dreaming about a yard. 
down with depression out on the interstate what do you think it was that led to the same sad place youth is a fraction all of that can wait i need you now more than the air we breathe you and me we are both an apartment dog we spend our lives dreaming about a yard me and you we are two apartment dogs we spend our lives wondering about the Just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership. 
making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to DistroKid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.